0: The Cardinals had just signed J.J. Watt. What does that mean for the 49ers? Also, are the 49ers really that interested in Teddy Bridgewater? And I take a look at some early spring training standouts for the Giants. All that on this episode of the Long Live the Bay podcast. I'm your host Lofton Lecker, and let's jump right into this episode where we see the Cardinals sign J.J. Watt to a $30 million deal, $23 million guaranteed. This is over two years and this is just one of those signings that I am a little bit confused about. Now, JJ Watt was a free agent, and he said he wanted to go somewhere to be a contender. So a lot of different a lot of places were coming up. There were the Steelers, maybe he wanted to go play with TJ Watt and Derek Watt. Maybe the Bills. The Bills need a pass rush. They are a contending team, very young, and they could probably pay JJ Watt a decent amount of money. Then you also have a teams like the Packers. He's from Wisconsin. Maybe he wants to go back home. So there were other teams that could have probably given him more money. And given him a better chance to compete and contend for a ring that J.J. Watt wants, but instead he decides to sign with the Cardinals. A very confusing train of thought if you're looking at it from Watt's perspective, because the Cardinals are not contenders and they really won't be for at least a couple years because they have so many issues on their team and also just in their coaching staff. Now, if you're looking at this from the NFC West, the Cardinals have the worst coaching staff Out of every team, it would probably go either the Niners or the Rams have the two best coaching staffs, then the Seahawks, and then probably the Cardinals, because Cliff Kingsbury is not a good head coach at all. He has not done well to help Kyler Murray succeed, and he has not done well to help his team succeed very often. And if you're looking at the rest of the um, Arizona Cardinals team, you are losing both of your current cornerbacks right now. Patrick Peterson is a free agent. He has been in Arizona for a very long time, but it looks like his time is up. He is entering. He's getting up there in age and is no longer able to compete at the top level he once was able to. So it looks like Peterson he could be he is going to leave. Also, Drake Kirkpatrick, your other outside cornerback, is also a free agent. So it looks like he could leave. So it appears the Cardinals are going to have to. Uh, target cornerback in the first round and also they don't have great great linebackers you have jordan hicks who is a solid linebacker at best So, if you're looking around on this Cardinals team, on the defensive side, they do have some issues. Now, by signing Watt, the Cardinals defense does get just a little bit better. They now add more and more star power to that team. You have now Chandler Jones rushing from one side, and you're going to have J.J. Watt rushing from the other. So, the one thing this does do, if this does give the Cardinals a very, very good pass rush, and if you're able to re-sign a guy like Hassan Reddick, who had 10.5 sacks a year ago, you could have one of the better um, defensive lines in the NFL when you can roll three defensive ends out that can absolutely destroy a team and I don't think you would really be able to move Watt back into a D tackle like he once was able to play because he was so versatile and athletic he has now just had to deal with so many injuries in his career that he is strictly a DN and this was actually one of the first years he had played 16 games in a while in the past two seasons I think he hadn't played 16 games before now. So that was big for Watt, just being able to be healthy. And if you look at the rest of the Cardinals team, I want to continue talking about why this team is not a contender right now. So if you look at their offense, it's got a lot of pieces it just doesn't always work. So you have Kyler Murray, a very good quarterback, probably a top 10, top 12 quarterback in the NFL. And then you have um, then you have DeAndre Hopkins. I don't know why his, his name was just blanking from my mind. But then you have Hopkins, who is a top three wide receiver on the outside. So you have a very good quarterback and wide receiver matchup. Now, if you look at the rest of the team, their O-line is okay. It's p- below average, nothing really special there. The rest of their receivers are okay at best. So you have Larry Fitzgerald, who is aging very, very obviously. He has not been playing that He has been playing well, but just not amazing. He has been probably a below average receiver these past couple of seasons now that he's getting up their age. You also have Andy Isabella still on that team. He is still trying to find his groove, find his mark. And so that is really it. And I think Dan Arnold, their tight end, I think he is actually a free agent. So I don't know if they're going to be able to re-sign him. They probably will be able to re-sign him because he was actually pretty useful for them in key situations if going down the field. So you have an offense that is pretty decent. The only thing holding it back is the coaching, and oh, I forgot to also mention you have you still have Kenyon Drake there at running back, even though I think Chase Edmonds is the better running back for the future. I think they should really get rid of Drake. So you have an offense that really does have a lot of pieces. You just have coaching staff that's holding it back, and a defense that I think, even though it ha- it can have a very good defensive line. You got guys like Buddha Baker and. Um, Isaiah Simmons there in the linebacking core. I just don't think he's going to work. Isaiah Simmons didn't show me enough to really prove that he could be a breakout player. So far he is projecting to be a bust but he only played one year. I'm going to give him more time. He's not a bust yet. I just said he's projecting to be. He hasn't shown me enough. He had one interception and that was really it. And then you have Buda Baker who is probably a top 5, top 10 safety in the league. I, have to, I would have to look at all the safeties but he is a very, very good player. Always contending for all pros as he should be. So you have pieces there on the defense. is now just trying to combine them all and become a contender. Now, if we look at J.J. Watt's season last year, he played in 16 games and he had five sacks, two forced fumbles, a pick, and seven pass defended. Pass defended. So the sack numbers, they are down. They have been down for the past couple of years. That's not the greatest. That's not what you want out of J.J. Watt. However, those other numbers are still pretty solid. Two force fumbles, a pick, and seven defense uh, pass defended. He is still still being able to be useful and be effective. So I think that's just what you need to look at. Is can he be effective and stay healthy? Because he does not need to get five sacks because if you have Chandler Jones on the outside, they might be having to double team Watt. And then if you're single team Chandler Jones, he's gonna have a monster year. Maybe it goes the other way. Chandler Jones gets some double team and then JJ Watt goes single team and he's able to get not instead of five sacks, maybe he gets eight to ten sacks this next season. So Watt has the potential to turn this Cardinals defense around. It just puzzles me a little bit why he went there. I just don't think they're gonna contend. I still don't see them making the playoffs really next year with a resurging Niners team, a Rams team that is looking to be better than ever with a new quarterback. And you still have the Seahawks who have Russell Wilson, he's still there at quarterback, so they still have a good shot at making the playoffs. Now, this signing really does affect the Niners though a lot because now the Niners need to address offensive line that much more. Now, Trent Williams is looking like that much better option because if you're now you're gonna have to have. Either a rookie matchup against J.J. Watt or Chandler Jones, two times, like two games a season, they're going to have to match up against them. So if it was my guy, it would be Rashawn Slater against either Chandler Jones or most likely, yeah, it would probably be actually Chandler Jones who would be playing up against most of those times because um, J.J. Watt plays on the left side and Jones plays more on the right side. So it would be Rashawn Slater versus Jones. That would be a very, very tough matchup. And then if you look on the other side, that's Mike McGinchy versus um, J.J. Watt. So this really does put a lot of pressure on the Niners to find a very good left tackle replacement for Trent Williams. As I have said, I don't think paying Trent Williams the $23 million is actually worth it. I would rather us draft a rookie left tackle probably like Rashawn Slater if you don't draft Slater then you sign someone like Alejandro Villanueva and then you use the leftover money from signing Villanueva to also sign a center um, just to shore up the middle of the offensive line just a little bit more so JJ Watt signing very confusing I do not agree with his decision at all but it does put some pressure on the 49ers so good job done there I guess from the Cardinals. Now, let's look move over and look at more strictly 49ers news and there are reports that the Niners are interested and have been taking some calls to see the availability of Teddy Bridgewater from the Carolina Panthers and I, want to, I went ahead and um, put down some Bridgewater's numbers from last year and compared them to Jimmy Garoppolo's 2019 year. I didn't feel like it would be fair to compare him to 2020 year considering he was injured for most of the season. So you would have had an injured, injured Jimmy G versus a pretty healthy um, Teddy Bridgewater who only missed one game last season due to an ankle injury. So if we look at Teddy Bridge Rogers' 2020 um, numbers, he had a passer rating of 92.1. He threw 15 touchdowns to 11 interceptions. He had a 69.1% completion percentage. He threw 3,733 yards, and he had a 13% bad pass percentage thrown, and he had a 1,853 completed air yards and a yak of 1,880 yards. So those are some pretty, pretty okay numbers. Uh, the touchdown to interception ratio is pretty bad in my eyes. You need to be getting way more touchdowns if you're going to be throwing that many picks in the year. You cannot be having only four tu- four more touchdowns in to the That's not a great ratio. The bad pass percentage, I think, is a little bit too high. I would like to see that around 10% if you're going to be a guy like Teddy Bridgewater who's not going to be taking as many shots down the field and is going to be more focused at, on the close to intermediate ranges of the field. So now if we take a look at Jimmy Garoppolo's 2019 year, he had a a passer rating of 102 on the dot. He threw 27 touchdowns, so that is 12 more to Bridgewater's 15. But he also threw 13 picks, so that's two more picks than Bridgewater. He had a 69.1% completion percentage, same as Bridgewater. He threw 3,978 more yards. That is around 100-ish, 150 more yards than what Bridgewater threw. He had a 13.7% bad uh, pass completion bad pass percentage that's 0.7 higher than bridgewater's was he had 1,819 completed air yards that is around uh, 30 less than what bridgewater have and he also had 2,159 yards after the catch that is a good almost 300 yards more than bridgewater so if we're looking at these numbers they are very comparable and very very similar Um, Getting Bridgewater is basically just getting a cheaper version of Jimmy G that I don't think will be pushing the ball down the field as well as Jimmy G can. Jimmy G has shown in the past that he can actually throw the deep ball somewhat decently he is just not the most consistent with it. Now with Teddy Bridgewater on the other hand he just doesn't throw the deep ball that much because if we looked at what the Panthers were doing a guy like DJ Moore wasn't able to really get going because he wasn't getting the the ball in his hand as much and they were mainly looking towards guys like Curtis Samuel and Robbie Anderson instead. So, DJ Moore really suffered with Bridgewater at quarterback, and that's just making me think, would other guys suffer on this team if Bridgewater became quarterback? And I don't really think there would be that much, considering the Niners really do love to just live in that short-to-intermediate range. The only issue I have with Bridgewater, if we were to go for him, is... Does he have the ability to throw the deep ball consistently? Because Kittle likes to get open for those 30-40 yards down the field. And now that we have Ayuk, we can start using Ayuk a lot more in those. I think in his second year, he's going to become a lot more of a downfield guy who can get open. And then you have guys like Jalen Hurd and Jawan Jennings who didn't play last year. And Jennings can be a contested catch specialist. And Jalen Hurd can be that rough-and-tumble guy over the middle who can also give you some verticality if needed. So I don't think Bridgewater would be as successful in the Niners system as Jimmy G has been. I think Jimmy G shows more upside potential, even with that season he had last year. He is the only issue with Jimmy G is he is a glass cannon. He cannot take hits for his life or else he just gets injured and then is off the field. That is Jimmy G's main problem. He is still a pretty solid quarterback at hitting the, near, the close to intermediate ranges. It's just... He can't play if he's not healthy, and that is a big, big issue in the NFL today because you need to be able to take a couple hits and continue to keep on moving, um, and Jimmy G has not shown that. Now, Bridgewater also does comes with his um, injury concerns. He did miss a game last year with an ankle injury. That was only one, but if you remember, he did miss those two years with that um, knee injury, and he has got had um, a history of concussions before, so... Bridgewater is a very, very red flag caution in my eyes because it doesn't look like his year with the Panthers was not what a lot of people expected. I actually expected it to be better than what it was. It really just was a really, really lackluster with the touchdown-interception ratio just being completely off. Only throwing 15 touchdowns to 11 picks, that is just terrible in my eyes. Bridgewater, I don't think the Niners would be able to win with him. I honestly think we would probably win less games if we had Bridgewater under center than if we had Jimmy G under center next year. With that, I think the Niners are going to stick with Jimmy G. I don't really think they're going to go towards um, Teddy Bridgewater. There's no real need to go for him. They're going to stick with Jimmy G. And we'll just see what they do in the draft, because the Niners, they have three positions they could draft for in the first round. They could either go for a guy like Rashawn Slater out of Northwestern and have him become their left tackle. They could try to see if Caleb Barley or Patrick Sertain, whichever one of them, falls to them at 12, they can take the better cornerback there, or they can go the um, quarterback position in either trade up to take a guy like Justin Fields if he if we want to try to trade up into the top five or we can stay at 12 and try to snag um, Trey Lance who I think has a very very high possibility of dropping to the number 12 spot so the Niners do have a lot of options I the best option I've said before is go with left tackle and after the JJ Watt signing that is an even better decision in my eyes that we're going to change course now and we're going to take a look at some of the early spring training standouts from the San Francisco Giants and we're going to start this out out with Jason Vosler, who yesterday against the Dodgers was able to hit two doubles off of Walker Bueller and Dustin May and that's kind of that's just big because those are MLB caliber pitchers. Bueller is going to be competing for the ace spot with the Dodgers. Now he won't be considered their number one because Kershaw is going to be, be pitching on opening day. Because why wouldn't you have Kershaw pitch opening day um, when you just want to keep his streak going? So Bueller won't really be there. And the thing is with Bueller, he hasn't he has shown ace like potential. He just hasn't put it all together yet. Um, so we are still waiting to see that. But he is still a very very good pitcher. Same with Dustin May. In his rookie season last year, he was 5th in Rookie of the Year voting, at five, uh, if I believe, and he was a very, very good pitcher for the Dodgers, and Bol- Bosler was able to hit doubles off of both of them. And so I think this just helps um, boost his chances of making the opening day roster. But the only issue is we brought in Tommy LaStella, and now we have Jason Bosler who's kind of tearing it up in spring training. Um, because Bosler plays 1st and 3rd. He's a left-handed hitter, 1st and 3rd, and he's got some pop. Uh, if we take a look, last year, in um, the last time he played in uh, the minors, I think he had around 27 home runs. Um, so that is a very, very good number. He's a guy that could provide a lot of pop and I'm actually kind of comparing him maybe to a Tommy Listella with some pop, maybe a left-handed hitter that we can bring off the bench instead, because Lestello would probably be starting. So we'd have Vosler on the bench. I don't think now, I don't think Vosler is going to make the opening day roster, but if he continues at this rate, he probably will. Um, have a good shot at making it. Now, I don't, as I said, Bosler probably will not make the opening day roster, but he has a very, very high chance of coming up in the season once some people start to struggle a little bit. If you have a guy like Steven Duggar up on the roster or um, Austin Slater who aren't doing anything, he could easily come up and replace them. If Longoria, Flores, uh, Donovan Solano, or Listella or Belt, if any of them get injured, he could come up immediately. So the issue is the night the Giants. Um, have a very big influx of uh, infielders right now. They have a very, very big influx of infielders right now. It is very odd to see, and they're just trying to figure it out and try to sort it out. So Vosler will probably not start out on the opening roster, has a very good chance to make it. I'm liking what I'm seeing from him early on. Moving on to the next guy, and this is one I am very, very happy to see made my list because this is just very exciting to see a guy like Logan Webb, do well in spring training. He's a guy who I think can be a solid rotation piece for the Giants, probably a middle of the rotation guy, late into the rotation guy, but could still be solid. And last year, he made his rookie debut in 2019. He did pretty okay. He didn't have a great year, but you, you saw the flashes. And then 2020, it was kind of a regress year. He did not really show anything. He was kind of getting beat up when he went out every fifth day. Um, it was not a great year for Logan Webb. But now you have him coming back, and he's looking good against the Dodgers. He didn't give up a run. His changeup is looking more and more effective. And if he can keep building on that changeup, he can be a very, very good starting pitcher because that changeup was just not there last year. And if you can get a guy like Corey Seager, a World Series MVP, to swing and miss on a very good-looking changeup um, from the first inning from Webb, it projects very well. So, if he can keep developing his up, changeup, developing the rest of his pitches, and just getting control of his pitches, because he has, just has a very high walk ratio, so if he can get the walks under control, start to get some of the strikeout numbers up a little bit, he could see, we could see him come on later in the season, maybe around June and July, and be a productive um, starting pitcher if we need him to be, or even a long reliever if we're going to throw him in the bullpen for a short period of time. So, Webb is starting to show those flashes that I wanted to see from him. If he can keep building on this, he can have a pretty solid um, 2021 year in the minors, and then maybe turn that into a solid 2021 year in the majors at the tail end of the year when we kind of need an extra guy, because he's the sixth man, um, sixth starting pitcher. So the first Guy that's injured, and Logan Webb is the next man up. Another guy who has been having, who had a pretty good um, first outing against the Texas Rangers was Joey Bart, who had two singles and two at-bats. So he only, he's only had two at-bats, so it doesn't look like a huge sample size, but the big thing with Joey Bart for me is the better he hits, the quicker he comes up. Because um, he did have some issues last year with catching the ball, um, trying to get used to um, serve. MLB pitchers, He you saw when he was catching Cueto, he did not look comfortable, he was getting crossed up, they were not on the same page a lot, so his um, defensive ability is going to get there it'll probably get there very soon actually and the quicker we see him up on the MLB roster, the better his defensive ability will be, because Bart is one of those guys where if he is learning under Posey, he is going to get that much better, and that's all he just needs to develop is the stick, because last year in the major leagues, he just was not hitting, I think he hit two thirty three in about the 30 games maybe 30 games maybe 25 games he played on the season so he didn't hit that well when he was up but if he can keep hitting and keep having a high average in spring training I think we could see him in May rather than what we were predicting in a late June or early July appearance from Joey Bart um, because look I the what I want to see from Joey Bart is I want to see him produce a spring training that was similar to Buster Posey's in 2010 now if you look at Posey's numbers in 2010 he, um, I just picked out some of the big standouts for me in 2010 he hit 315 with four doubles in a home run so if Bart can come out and hit above 300 in spring training add a couple of doubles maybe add in one to two homers and if he produces similar numbers to Posey we could see him like we saw Posey in 2010 coming up in May Uh, And that's what I want to see from Bart. I just want to see him continue hitting, um, continue developing the stick, and once he gets there, he will be a very, very good player and a very solid contributor on this team and become the everyday catcher um, once he replaces Posey. So, as I said, Bart just needs to get a little bit better with the stick. Let's see that average jump up, and then we can maybe see him in the MLB back in May. Now the next guy I want to point out, he did not he has not had a very good start to camp at all. Marco Luciano is currently 4-0 for four with four strikeouts. However, the good thing for Luciano is he is fit, facing right now MLB pitching. He has already faced May and Buer, and those weren't the greatest at bats. Against Buer, Buer was able to get um, strike him out with a beautiful curveball that completely buckled Luciano. And the thing is for him is he's still 19. He turns 20 in September, so he's got a lot of time. I don't think he'll be up on the major league roster this year. Maybe if he if he excels in the minors, we could see him. He is one of those guys where I'm more looking to see him next year rather than this year. Um, in his age 20 season rather than his age 19 season. And for Luciano in spring training, what I want to see from him is, I just think he needs to settle down. He needs to settle down and start looking for contact. Because in his final at-bat um, in that game against the Dodgers, when I was watching him, he was just trying to hit homers. That's all he was going for. He was just trying to swing for the fence, and he just wasn't making the best contact. He was fouling away his pitches. The second-to-last pitch he faced in that bat was a fastball that was around the letters going, Um, Right, almost down the middle. That was me and my friend um, looked over at each other, and he said that was his pitch, and I agree with him because that was his pitch. He fouled it straight, um, he fouled it straight up and back. So if he was able to get some contact on that ball, I actually think that would have probably been a home run. Um, Luciano looked all over that so you're seeing I can see the flashes from Luciano it's just he just kind of needs to settle down get his bearings a little bit because he is still just a kid he just needs to relax a little bit and just start looking for some contact and if we can just start seeing some contact from him the power will come he's got the best bat swing the fastest bat speed out of any Giants prospect in the minor leagues right now the bat speed and homers will come he just needs to settle down a little bit and it will all be there for him And now, as I said, Luciano, not projected to come up this year, projected for next year. Very excited for the kid. He looks huge. Like, if you have seen him on TV, he does not look like a 19-year-old baseball player. He looks like he'd probably be around his age 30 season. Like, he is a big boy, and he's bulking out with some muscle. And that is one of the reasons why he's maybe been projected to be more of a third baseman than shortstop. However, he was still um, very clean out there with the glove, turning a double play and just looking very comfortable over there at shortstop. He is a hulking behemoth over there, um, but he is just very, very comfortable. And i just just so excited to see more Marco Luciano throughout spring training Really, his at-bats are the one I'm looking forward to. Him and Heliot Ramos are the two players. I'm Basically, every day when the Giants are playing, I'm looking back. They're going through box score, listening to the games. Those are the at-bats I want to see. So I can't wait to see a little bit more from him and to wait to see him kind of start getting it together in this spring training. Now, the next three players I have are all relievers. And the relieving battle is has, has actually starting to shape out in a really interesting way, I think, for the Giants. Because they have some really, really good um, young players, younger guys, who are starting to show they have a lot of stuff. And this is something that's different from Giants teams of the past, is all of these guys are flamethrowers. Before, in the Giants bullpen, you would have guys like Jeremy Affel and Javier Lopez. So you'd have a, a lefty specialist in Lopez and then Jeremy Affel, a lefty who can get anyone out. Doesn't really overpower you with his speed, but has just great stuff. You have a guy like Santiago Casilla, who maybe hits 95, 96 at most, but still he's going to try to get you with that sinker ball action. you got a guy like Sergio Romo, underhand um, guy, not really getting up any speed at all. George Contos, not really known for throwing fireball stuff. I think Contos maybe hit 93 on good days, 94 on his best days, but he was still able to just be able to pinpoint the ball where he needed to. And that's what the Giants bullpen was built on. Solid pitchers who could just control their stuff very well. And now we're seeing a, diff- a new regime of players who can start hurling the ball a lot harder and just making guys' bats miss. Um, and not like being like Strickland, where Strickland was strictly a fastball and that's all he had. These are guys where they have a pitch, and, but then they're start, they have secondary pitches that they are showing to maybe help them boost their chances of getting on this opening roster. And I'm going to start out with Daniel Nunez, our Rule 5 pick. So if you don't really know what the Rule 5 um, draft is meaning um, if he is not on our opening day roster, he will get sent back to the Mets and he will no longer be on our team. Or if we release him, like Danny Jimenez last year, I think we got him maybe from the Astros, I want to say it was. Either, I think it was the Astros. I'm like 75% sure it's the Astros. Um, he was on our opening day roster. He pitched in a couple games and then we released him, and he went back to the Astros. So if Nunez were released, he would go back. We were able to sneak um, Jimenez onto the opening day roster last year, and I think we are going to be able to do that with Nunez this year. Um, so far, Nunez is hitting 98 on the radar gun, and I I do think he's going to be snuck in just barely into the roster I think he will take one of those few um, remaining spots left that are kind of up for grabs by for some of the players so I think Nunez will make it onto the open day roster and I kind of want to see a little bit more from him in spring training as we go forward because he is one of those guys where he's going to sneak in and we're going to want to keep him because unlike Danny Jimenez I think Nunez is just showing a little bit more stuff and a little bit more polished than where Jimenez was last year when he was on the team and now, another guy who I don't think actually will start on the um, bullpen, but will make an appearance at some point, is Camilio Duvall. He is hitting 97 on the radar gun with a very, very nice slider. Um, and there are some videos, if you can go on Twitter and check some of those out, he was able to use that slider fastball to get a couple strikeouts. Now, as I said, I don't think Duval will make the opening roster. He will be coming up later this season, but I think Camilo Duval is projecting to be a very, very good late inning reliever. I'm kind of seeing him like kind of how Santiago Casilla was with the Giants when he was kind of earlier in his career, where he was that setup closer type position. I think Camilo Duval could be the setup closer of the future. In two to three years, I think Duval could be our starting everyday closer. I really do. Cause right now it is Reyes Moranta, and I think it'll be Moronta for at least two years, but maybe next maybe after that two year period it becomes Duval. And he has a very he has some very electric stuff. Very excited to see more and more from him as we get through this spring training. And the final reliever I wanted to talk about was the Sacramento native, the left-handed throwing Sam Long. And this is a guy who I think he will be on the opening day roster. He will actually take Sam Selman's spot. I predicted Selman to be one of the lefties on the opening day roster. He will lose his spot to Sam Long because Long has been showing way more polish and way better stuff than Selman has in the past. Because Selman has gotten his chances in the MLB. He has been fine. He has not been anything really amazing. But I think Long is going to really... Take away and run away with this spot because he has been catching everyone's eye in spring training. If you have been um, listening to some of the interviews, Kapler and Bart have both said that Sam Long is drawing eyes because Long has a very, very good curveball along with the fastball that can hit 97 miles per hour. So if you're combining a guy that can throw very hard and then still have a very good curveball that's hitting up in the round, maybe the 70s, you're still having a very, very good solid pitcher. And as a lefty, I think he's going to have that much more leverage being a lefty with that 97 mile per hour fastball and then a good curveball to boot with it so sam long is a guy i'm very very excited to see pitch a little bit more in spring training and as i said he will be on the opening roster and you can actually i can, I, I would actually bet money on that sam long is on the opening day roster for the san francisco giants and so that is all i have for this episode of the long live the bay podcast thank you guys all for tuning in and listening to this week's episode and i will catch you guys all next week